0: Good morning, everybody. Um, let's uh, take a moment and just gather our our hearts and ask for God's help as we uh, open up His Word this morning. So let's pray, um, Father. I want to thank you um, for all the things that we've already been reflecting on this morning and remembering together. Um, I want to thank you for your amazing love for every creature on this earth. Um, I want to thank you. We've been reminded that you delight in the smallest of creatures and the little spider at the bottom of the the sea. Uh, your word says that your eye is on the sparrow. And we thank you that you care about every creature on planet earth. Uh, thank you that you care about every person on planet earth. You care about an ex-soldier trying to give up the drink, and you, you care about someone walking across the Albert Bridge Road at night and you write the words he needs to hear in neon on the wall. Um, I want to thank you that you care about Arthur in this new season of his life as he steps down from a role he's he's uh, played so faithfully for so many years. Um, Father, I want to thank you now as we open up your word, that we know that you care about each one of us. And you care about us in a way where you want to speak a word that is just for us this morning. Uh, I want to thank you for that amazing fact that um, in a a church with whatever number of people here this morning, we can each go away this morning feeling like we we heard a a personal word from the Lord that, that is for us at this moment in our lives. And so I want to pray, would you do that this morning? Would you speak a fresh word, a powerful word, a life-changing word uh, to each of us this morning by your word and by your spirit? And would you help us to be awake and listening to hear it and to carry it home with us in a way that will really make a difference? And we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Um, We're... um, I guess coming up to about halfway through uh, the book of Philippians. Um, and I guess we've looked at quite a... We've looked at a number of passages that are kind of quite famous and often quoted um, and often turned into songs and all the rest. Uh, for me to live as Christ and to die as gain and uh, by Jesus humbling himself and becoming obedient to death and really famous passages in Philippians. Um, and I guess this week... We're going to read a passage which is not very famous, um, which has probably not been turned into a lot of songs or hymns, uh, which probably hasn't often been written out in calligraphy and hung on people's walls, uh, like the verses we were looking at uh, last week. Um, It's one of those sections that's very easy to skip over and sort of see it as just filler. Um, But actually, I think it's vital to the message of this little book of... Philippians. Uh, It's at the heart of the message of of this book because at the heart of Philippians there is a concern that the gospel is not just something to be preached and something to be believed, but also something to be lived out. Uh, Do you remember back near the, uh, the beginning we read those words, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel. Our lives are to live out the message that we believe, and especially the gospel, is to be lived out in our relationships. In your relationships with one another, have the same attitude as Christ Jesus. So the gospel is not just to be preached and believed, but it's to be lived out, and especially lived out in relationship, in community, and uh, the way we relate to one another. Um, and I guess I would say in the passage that we're about to read. Uh, we get a little glimpse of Paul and his friends living out the gospel in their relationships with one another. So we get we get to see what it looks like when the gospel gets embodied in friendships and relationship. Um, so that's why I think this little bit um, is really important. So let's read it together. Philippians chapter two, uh, we're going to read from verse 19. And Paul writes this. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon that I also may be cheered when I receive news about you. I have no one else like him who will show genuine concern for your welfare. For everyone looks out for their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know that Timothy has proved himself Welcome him in the Lord with great joy, and honour people like him, because he almost died for the work of Christ. He risked his life to make up for the help you yourselves could not give me. So there's our um, our story. Lots of names. I'm talking about Paul. Talking about Timothy. Talking about Epaphroditus. Um, let's let's maybe take a few minutes to try to just make sure we've understood the story of what is going on here, and it may remind us a wee bit of uh, some things we've talked about before. Um, So let me put up a modern-day map from Google Maps, just to remind you where we are. So the Philippians are here in what would be today northeast Greece. Paul most likely is in Rome, which is, as you know, in Italy over here. Um, Google Maps tells me the distance between the two is 1,229 kilometers or something close to 800 miles. Uh, Google Maps also tells me that if you wanted to walk from Philippi to Rome, it would take you about 216 hours. Um, You can can adjust that depending if you're a fast walker or a slow walker, Um, but that's how long it would take. So uh, I guess if you were able to walk for 10 hours a day, which is quite a challenge for most of us, It would take you 20 days. Maybe more likely it would take close to a month to make that journey. And I think that's kind of important detail for us to think about as we think about uh, what we've just read and what's going on. Uh, Let me put up a simpler map uh, that just has Rome Rome over here and Philippi over here. What is going on in the story of what we just read? Well, first of all, I'm I'm going to tell it in chronological order rather than the order... Uh, Paul Paul tells it in. Um, so the chron- chronological order, I think, is this. Epaphroditus, first of all, was sent by the Philippians to take care of Paul's needs. Um, so they sent this uh, messenger, this helper uh, called Epaphroditus. Epaphroditus, uh, the name is a Greek name. It's a pagan name. It contains within it uh, the name of Aphrodite, who was the, the Greek goddess of love. So he obviously had come from a thoroughly pagan background uh, but at some point had come to faith in Jesus Uh, and so the Philippians send him to be a help uh, to Paul. Uh, One of the things we know about the ancient world uh, at that time is someone who was in prison like Paul was not as they would be today fed by the state and provided for by the state so their friends, their community, their family had to visit and provide food and provide whatever essentials uh, they might need. And so the, the Philippians, even though they're 800 miles away, um, have decided to send someone, uh, and he carries a financial gift with him, which we read about at the end of the book of Philippians, but he's also to be available to Paul to serve him and care for him. So it's an incredibly practical, costly way for the Philippians to show their love for Paul, right? They They send someone with the financial means necessary, and to have the time uh, to wait on Paul and care for him and make sure uh, he has whatever he needs. So that's the first thing. Uh, then we know Epaphroditus at some point became ill and almost died, and we, we don't know any of the details about that. Um, it does say he nearly died for the work of Christ. Um, and so some people have wondered if perhaps he fell ill on the journey to Rome, Um, but was determined to continue and carry the gift to Paul, uh, and that in in carrying out that task, he nearly died. That's a possibility. We don't know exactly what the story is, but his illness has caused anxiety and distress to everyone. Paul is worried about him. The Philippians back home have heard that he's ill and are worried about him. Um, But Paul says God has shown him mercy and spared his life, so he has recovered, or at least begun to recover, uh, from his illness, and the, the danger has passed, and now Paul is sending him back. So we have an arrow going the, the 800 miles back uh, to Philippi. Uh, most likely, he, Epaphroditus is carrying the letter that we are reading. So most likely, the letter of Philippians is being carried by Epaphroditus uh, back to Philippi. and Paul says he's doing that so that everybody can stop worrying, uh, and so that everybody can be glad to bring so that anxiety will be replaced by joy for Paul and for the Philippians and for, for everybody. Then Paul says uh, the journeying is not over uh, on this route. Uh, Paul says he is soon going to send Timothy. So there's Timothy with a little T. I'm not saying this is the routes they're going, by the way. I'm just trying to space out the arrows. Um, Paul says he's going to send Timothy as soon as I see how things are going with me. Um, and I think most likely that means once once I know if I'm going to live or, live or die. Paul is waiting in prison to find out what, what the Roman authorities are going to decide about whether he's going to be executed or whether he's going to be released. And so he says, once I know what's going to happen with me, I'm going to send Timothy uh, to you. Um, he's going to send Timothy not only to tell them how Paul, what has happened with Paul, but to find out how the Philippians are doing. Because I kind of love this. Paul is sending the letter with all the things that it's encouraging them to do and to take to heart. But then Paul wants to know whether they took those things to heart and whether the letter has had the impact that he hoped and whether some of the issues that are going on in the church where people are squabbling a little bit or there's disunity, whether, those things, whether they've become like-minded and of one heart and of one mind and are and, having the love that, that Jesus had in the way they relate to each other. So he wants to send Timothy Uh, Not only to tell them how Paul is, but then to bring back, so Timothy's got to do it both ways as well, to bring back news to Paul of how it's going with the Philippians and as they live out the gospel uh, where they are. And he's hoping that that news will be news that will cheer him uh, whenever he he hears it. Um, And then finally, Paul says he hopes to visit them himself soon. Uh, So he's not just sending other people to make the journey, he's ready to make it himself um, as soon as he can. Um, lots of journeys back and forth uh, from Philippi to Rome. Um, I think those little arrows that we put on the screen, those are those are incredibly practical, incredibly costly expressions of Christian love and friendship. Um, if you, if we could put it this way, it's love with sore feet. <laughs> can you imagine how how so sore your feet would be after? making that journey and then making it again. Um, And maybe immediately it asks us a question. um, How far would you go (laughs) to show love to your friends? How far would you go to show love to your brothers and sisters? Would you walk 500 miles? Would you walk 500 more? And yes, I am quoting a song maybe. Um, uh, That's going to be our closing hymn today. We're going to sing the proclaim. No, no. it's a question about what what does our love and our friendship cost us? Um, I had a really interesting conversation with someone during the week. Um, They were telling me that, um, inspired by the letter to the Philippians, uh, they decided that they they would write some letters to some churches that they knew uh, to send some encouragement uh, to them uh, to keep going and just encouraging them in the good things that they're doing. Uh, And they told me that, they couldn't find writing paper anywhere uh, in the modern world. And they were walking, walking around Coleraine looking for writing paper. But it, it made me think a little bit about the ways in which we express love. And some of them are easy, and some of them are a bit more costly. Um, it's, it's amazing that we can now just send a text message, and it's really convenient. And that, that, is a really, that can be a really effective way of just showing someone you're thinking about them, you're praying for them, and I think that's really good. Um, Takes a little bit more effort to pick up the phone and call and have a conversation. Maybe a little more to go hunting for writing paper and write a letter <laughs> on paper that uh, that can ma- really mean something to people. Um, maybe even more to go visit, uh, to go across town, to go to drive to another part of Ireland. Um, how far would you go to encourage a brother, to encourage a sister, to show love? Um, how how much would you go out of your way? Would you go the extra mile or the extra 800 miles (laughs) uh, to show love? It's kind of what we want to think about uh, this morning. Um, I think both Timothy and Epaphroditus uh, are living examples for us of the same kind of love that we see in Jesus. Um, That song of the king that we talked about a couple of weeks ago of the king who emptied himself, and humbled himself and came all the way down to death for us. We sang a moment ago, he came down to find us and lead us out of death. Um, But that story, that song, is then to be replicated in our lives. And Timothy and Epaphroditus, I think, are an example of that. You can hear the song of the king in the way that they live, in the way that they love their brothers and their sisters. And so I want to think for a few moments about each of them. Let's think, first of all, about Timothy. And I've put I've put a road to remind us of all that walking that he did uh, as we, we think about him. Um, Paul, of course, speaks of Timothy with great affection. There's a lot of affection, actually, generally in this passage, people longing for each other, people really caring about each other. Uh, but he says about Timothy, I have no one else like him. Uh, you, you get little glimpses every now and again that leadership for Paul was sometimes a lonely thing Um, but Timothy he says I have no one else like him and actually literally what it says is I have no one else like-minded and I think that's important because I don't know if you remember a few weeks ago we read earlier on in chapter two Paul saying to the Philippians uh, be of one mind be like-minded as you live together and Paul says I have no one else who is as like-minded with me as Timothy. And of course, he refers to him as being like a son. Uh, he has worked alongside me like a son with his father. There's a, a sense that, as Paul speaks of Timothy, they are kindred spirits. There's, a, there's a, an affinity of heart and mind that is very rare. Uh, and so Paul speaks of him with, with great affection. And Paul highlights, as he talks about Timothy, um, I think two particular qualities I just want to pay attention with you to the words that are here. Uh, First of all, Timothy is someone who shows genuine concern for the welfare of others, specifically the Philippians. He says he really, really cares about your welfare, about your well-being. That's the first thing about Timothy. Um, And then the second thing immediately after uh, is he's someone who doesn't just look out for his own interests, but those of Jesus Christ. Um, you have to that, That's by inference. He says he's not like those people who only look out for their own interests and not those of Jesus. So by, by inference, Timothy is someone who doesn't just look out for his own interests, but those of Jesus Christ. And again, maybe as soon as you hear that language, it may remind you of earlier on in chapter two, uh, where Paul said, don't just look out for your own interests, but look out for the interests of others. And there's an interesting, I I find this just interesting to pause and note, don't just look out for your own interests, look out for the interests of others. Timothy doesn't just look out for his own interests, but those of Jesus Christ. And there's, ai think, a deliberate conflating of those two things. To look out for the interests of Jesus Christ, to look out for the interests of others. Those two things are very intimately connected. They're they're really two sides of one coin. Um, and so maybe to put it in the simplest terms we can, love for others and love for Jesus, those two things can't ever be separated. And that's really what I, what I want to reflect on with you for a few moments uh, this morning. Um, love for Jesus will always lead us to costly love for others. If we genuinely love Jesus and the gospel, it will lead us to pour ourselves out for others in the the kind of way we've been talking about. Costly, practical, self-sacrificial love that makes your feet hurt is what is going to flow from love for Jesus, a willingness to go the extra mile or 800 miles. Um, It's easy to say we love Jesus. right? It's easy to strike a pious pose and say, I love Jesus, um, but that love becomes visible as we love other people around us. Um, there's a really powerful verse um, in one of John's letters in 1 John 4, uh, verse 20, where John says very bluntly, if you don't love your brother or sister who you can see, how can you possibly love God who you can't see, <laughs> Right? That our love for God, our love for Jesus is invisible. We can make that claim, but it becomes visible as we love the the people around us uh, and as we express that love in in practical ways. Um, And I think this is vital to the message of Philippians. Um, Paul Paul wrote his letters to different churches for a whole variety of reasons. So um, he wrote to the Galatians because they were turning to a different gospel and Paul was concerned about their preaching and their doctrine they were abandoning the gospel and turning to another message he he wrote to the corinthians because there was all kinds of pretty wild moral mess going on in their lives and Paul needed to write uh, to correct those things but those are not his concerns in philippians the the philippians are not veering into heresy or veering into immorality uh, or at least those are not the things that Paul is addressing. His concern here is that the gospel must be lived out in relationship, in community, in the church. It must be embodied and made visible in their love for one another. And the sense you get in Philippians is they, they're not in a really bad state as a church. It's not one of those letters where you feel like Paul's writing with urgency because they're a mess. Um, but there are little things starting to happen or that he's noticed little niggles, little tensions that if they're not addressed now could easily lead to disaster. And so Paul is writing to say let the same love be in you that is in Jesus. Let this gospel get into your feet and be lived out in the way you you love one another. Um, I don't know about you um, but I think this message of Philippians is vital for us here in Northern Ireland. There are There are different parts of scripture that land particularly sharply in different cultures at different times. Um, But I think here in Northern Ireland, um, in the churches that like to call ourselves evangelical, uh, which, remember, means literally people of the gospel. (laughs) That's what it means, people of the evangel, people of the good news. Um, I think historically in Northern Ireland, um, in these kind of churches, the biggest problem has not been abandoning the gospel in our preaching and doctrine but the problem has been that we have been loud about the gospel but when people have listened to our lives and our relationships in community they have sometimes heard a different story heard a different message heard a different song they have not always found people loving one another deeply from the heart Um, They've not always found the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God the Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit being lived out in community in the way that we treat one another, becoming visible realities in our relationships. And so sometimes people, for that reason, have walked away sad. It's an issue of credibility. The, The gospel becomes visible as we love one another. The gospel becomes credible as we love one another in these costly ways. Um, we Of course, of course, of course, we need the gospel in our pulpits and we need the gospel in our songs and we need to be clear about the gospel in our minds. But it also needs to get into our feet and into our hands, right? It needs to be lived out in a thousand small threads of love. And a thousand small journeys by which we express our love for each other. Um, maybe maybe if I can speak from the heart for a second, and not that I'm not speaking from the heart normally, but um, one, one of the many reasons um, I've loved being part of this church in MCF is that I think this commitment and this desire is deeply ingrained in the DNA of this church. A, a commitment to not just preach the gospel, but also to live it out in relationship and in community. And I'm not saying for a second that we do that perfectly. We always do it stumblingly and we always need forgiveness and we always need grace and patience from each other and correction. Um, But in this church, I think there is a genuine desire and commitment to walk in that direction. And there's a sense that if we don't live this gospel out in our life together, then we may as well pack up and go home, right? If we don't live it out in our relationships with one another. Um, and I want to tell you one small story, which will inevitably make me a basket case, but I want to, I want to tell it to you anyway. Um, and it's appropriate maybe today, as we're, we're uh, letting you know about Arthur's retirement from eldership, um, but about eight years ago, whenever Arthur's late wife, Anne, was near the very end of her life, um, Anne was in the Macmillan unit down in Antrim Hospital and Arthur was travelling up and down to Antrim nearly every day uh, to sit by her side and they knew the end was near and by the way it was the most peaceful uh, bedside I've ever sat beside in my life uh, the sense of the spirit of God uh, as Anne waited for the end but meanwhile a young mum from MCF was in another hospital in Causeway in Coleraine having been through a really, really tough time. Uh, Many of you will know about Anne Williamson that Anne had a particular heart for young mums um, and encouraging them and caring for them and cheering them on. But Anne was in a bed in Antrim and couldn't go to care for this young mum. And so every evening when Arthur was leaving the hospital in Antrim, Anne sent him (laughs) to go before he went home. And by the way, at this stage, Arthur's own health problems had already begun. Uh, But she sent him to go and visit this young mum in hospital and to sit with her and to read a psalm and to pray for her and commit her to God before sleep, um, providing the care that Anne wasn't able to provide at that point. And I'm presenting that as one small story, right? But that is how the gospel becomes visible among us. Those kind of journeys, that journey from Antrim Hospital to Causeway Hospital that actually nobody knew about till we found out by accident <laughs> that this had been happening. Um, and I think those kind of values of costly practical love that make the gospel visible have that's been sown into the DNA of this church by people like Arthur, by people like Anne, by people like Billy and Maida and many others. Um, but I think there's as as Billy is retiring from eldership and Arthur's retiring and they're still gonna be around, uh, we hope for many years, but I think there's a challenge for us as the next generation, and the next generation, because I'm, I'm not as young as I used to be, um, to take up that baton and walk those kind of stories of love, um, that kind of costly love in our generation to be inspired by the example of those who've gone before um, and I want to throw that challenge out for for me and for you, and for all of us. Um, love for Jesus always results um, in love for others. But maybe it's also important just to, to kind of reflect on that the other way around as well. That if we want to love others, we're really eager to be people who love others well. We need to remember that it's rooted in love for Jesus. Um, it's rooted in the gospel. Uh, Because there's a pattern that is easy to fall into where in the beginning, it's the love of Christ which compels us and which burns like a fire. And we receive his love and we find an answering love within us and we're burning with that uh, passion. And it sends us out to love other people. But over time, we can focus more and more on the outward acts of trying really hard to love other people. And we can neglect the inner fire which is receiving his love and loving him in return. Um, and we can very easily then run out of steam. And we can even burn out or break down as we try and love others uh, in our own steam. Um, I wonder, wonder, as we were reading, did you notice a repeated phrase uh, I find really striking, where Paul, everything Paul and his friends do is in the Lord. Uh, he said at one point, I hope in the Lord. And then a little later, he says, I'm confident in the Lord. And then later on, he says to the Philippians, welcome him in the Lord. It's a really interesting phrase, isn't it? Um, trying Trying to do the things that Paul and Timothy and Epaphroditus did, trying to do the things that Jesus did in our own strength, will be exhausting and wearying. We will fish all night and catch nothing, right? We'll labor in vain we end up frazzled and discouraged. The first thing is always to find our center in him and to trust in him and rest in him and abide in him and receive his love and let him restore our first love and keep that fire kindled and burning. And then, when we pay attention to that first thing, then hope springs eternal and then confidence rises up and then love grows and flows from us to others. And springs of living water flow from deep within us. But we we dare not run out trying to be people who love really well without that fire burning, which is receiving his love and the answering love that um, is in us. Let's talk about Epaphroditus before I finish. Um, Epaphroditus, in many ways, went even further uh, in Timothy, um, not in distance, uh, but in his love for Jesus and his love for others. We're told about Epaphroditus, he almost died for the work of Christ. Um, And again, just looking at that uh, really literally, what, what it literally says is, he came near unto death for the work of Christ. And if that phrase unto death sounds familiar, it should, because again, back in the Song of the King, earlier in chapter two, what did it say? That he humbled himself and became obedient unto death. And so Paul is really deliberately saying Apaphroditus in his life has followed the pattern of his master, has followed the pattern of his king. And in his case, um, he was spared death itself, but he went right to the brink, uh, right to the edge of death. Um, Epaphroditus is someone worth remembering. It's not a name that's been often given to children in our generation, uh, maybe because of the pagan background, uh, the meaning of the name. But but isn't there something really powerful that although Epaphroditus had been given the name of a pagan goddess, when you listen to his life, what you hear is the message of Jesus, what you hear is the message of the king, uh, as he uh, lived the same kind of love, costly love, uh, that Jesus lives. Uh, But the last thing um, I want to reflect on is this. Um, Paul encourages the Philippians to welcome Epaphroditus with great joy. Get the banners out. Um, and he says, honor people like him because he nearly died for the work of the Lord. Um, I, I've been puzzling a wee bit this week over, you know, why does Paul find it necessary to say to the Philippians, welcome him with joy and honor him? Again, we've got to be careful of not speculating too much. We don't don't know what's behind the words sometimes. It's it's possible that Paul is encouraging the Philippians to do what they were already eager to do. They were already getting the banners out. They didn't need reminded. Um, But Paul Paul is just encouraging them to do that. Um, But it's also possible that there may have been some hesitation. Um, Humanly speaking, there could well have been a little bit of embarrassment. We sent Epaphroditus to be a help and he became a bit of a burden, right? We sent him to remove Paul's anxieties, and he became a worry to Paul, right? It didn't go the way anybody planned. He's being sent home early. The gift is being returned, in a sense. They sent Epaphroditus as a gift, and he's being sent back. And so there may have been mixed feelings about that. Uh, People being people, there may even have been murmurs of blame. There may have been people saying, I knew Epaphroditus was a bit weak, We should have sent someone stronger. We should have sent someone better for the trip. And there's something in Paul's words, I think, that reminds us. God doesn't look at things as we often do. He doesn't measure things by the world's measures of success and failure. Was Epaphroditus' trip a success? Was it a failure? From a human point of view, it's a little bit ambivalent. Um, God doesn't look at things that way. Do you remember Jesus Jesus looked at a widow putting two tiny coins in an offering box and the world might have said that's nothing, that's negligible, that's not going to make any difference. But Jesus says she gave everything, right? And Jesus honors her more than those who are putting in huge amounts. People might have looked at Epaphroditus and said he's a a failed missionary with a weak constitution who had to go home early. Paul says, put up the banners and welcome him like a hero. He is my brother. He is my co-worker. He is my fellow soldier. You see the way he piles the terms up to make sure people speak with honor of Epaphroditus. Speak his name with honor. He poured himself out even unto death. He loved me with the costly love of Jesus. And so maybe as a final comment Um, I wonder how many stories there are here in our community of people doing things that maybe don't look like much and don't look big and impressive and don't draw a lot of attention or a lot of praise and don't make it on the front page of the Chronicle um, or anything like that. But they are people who are giving everything they have and they're quietly going the extra mile and wholeheartedly loving others and wholeheartedly serving Jesus. And maybe just as an encouragement this week, and you can uh, make this as practical as you can, let's be a community where we honour people like that. Um, Don't just honour people with upfront gifts or um, the most impressive talents and abilities or the most uh, shiny um, stuff going on, but those with hearts that love like Jesus those who have those kind of hearts. Let's look for those people. Let's tell their stories. Let's honour them. Let's encourage them. If you know someone like that, if someone's come to mind, even as I'm talking, uh, make sure you let them know this week that you've heard in their example something of the Song of the King right? and what that's meant to you. Um, Let's pray. um, Then we're going to sing to finish. Um, Let me remind you, Um, If you'd like someone to pray with you, uh, there'll be a couple of people up here at the end, uh, just to my left, your right, and they'd love to pray with you uh, if you just just make a beeline for them. Um, Father, I want to thank you uh, for these living examples that you've given us in Timothy and Epaphroditus, um, of people who loved in a really down-to-earth, practical, costly way, who walked out their love in a way that made their feet hurt. And Father, I want to pray uh, that you would let their example um, stay with us and kind of burn in us this week. Uh, I want to pray that wherever we need to be shaken a little bit out of our selfishness or our self-protectiveness. Maybe sometimes the miserly, cautious ways that we love. Father, I pray you would shake us up a little bit. Um, Help us to love like them. More importantly, help us to love like Jesus, our King. Father, I want to pray you would show us this week where the opportunities are in our lives for us to go the extra mile. um, To encourage someone, to help someone, to lift someone up. Um, Show us how we can do that. Show us where those little journeys uh, of love can be made this week. Father, maybe most of all, help us not to try to do this in our own strength. But we pray that every day we would be receiving from you Uh, out of your abundant, overflowing reservoirs of love and compassion and kindness and grace, and then sharing the overflow of that uh, with those around us. Uh, Father, we pray that our neighbours, our colleagues, our friends, uh, would not only hear us being loud about the gospel with our words, but as they lean in close, we pray that they would hear the song of the gospel being sung in our lives in a thousand small ways every day. Um, We need your help. We need your Holy Spirit to make these things reality in our lives. We pray you would help us this week. Uh, In the name of Jesus, our King. Amen.